and welcome to another episode of Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. Hello again, I'm Christine Burns. In a few days from now, the United States, indeed the world, will witness a historic event that many of us probably doubted we would ever see. When Barack Obama is sworn in as America's first black president, few would contest the symbolism. This isn't just about the first democratic hand on the chiller for eight years. Above all, it seems to be the final fulfilment of the promise repeated to every US child from their earliest years. Perhaps now every American child really can dream of being able to grow up to be the president. But how are Americans seeing it now that the election night euphoria has died down? How much expectation is there on the new man? Can it be realised? Black men may take plenty of encouragement, but what about other minorities? With me on internet telephone from Haverhill in Massachusetts is Ethan St. Pierre. Happy New Year, Ethan, and welcome to Just Plain Sense. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. How are you this morning? Uh, Well, it's afternoon for me. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) I know. As soon as I came out of my mouth, I realized that, of course, it is. Um, Yeah, I'm very excited to be um, on your show. And, um, you know, thank you for inviting me. Uh, You know, we're all very excited here about uh, having a new president and getting rid of the Bush administration. Okay, well, actually, I was just going to say first, Ethan, because some of my listeners won't be familiar with who you are. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yes, sure, of course. Um, My name is Ethan St. Pierre, as you said, and um, I'm an activist here in in the United States. I'm an activist locally in the state of Massachusetts as well as on the national level. I belong to many um, board of directors, um, one of which is the International Foundation for Gender Education. Um, And locally here, the Garden of Peace, um, which is a um, for homicide. It, it uh, memorializes homicide victims in the state of Massachusetts. All homicide victims, not just LGBT. And um, I'm on the board of directors of Families United Against Hate. That was started by mothers who lost their their children um, to to violence. Um, one of them was a gay man, um, and the other one actually nearly lost her child. He uh, um, he was beaten really badly. So they started Families United Against Hate, so I, you know, I'm on that board. And um, I do a radio uh, pod- broadcast on the Internet called The Radical Trannies, and um, I started a, uh, a network called TransFM that brings everybody together that does podcasts that are LGBT people and that focuses more on gender uh, expression and gender identity. So it, it sounds like you, you've got your finger really and truly on the pulse of um, diversity in the, in the U.S. So to go back to where you, where you were about to start, what, what's the feeling now in the U.S. as we approach the inauguration on the, the 20th of January? Well, um, I feel that everybody's really excited. But most of the people that I've talked to are just, are just thrilled, um, first of all, to have uh, the Bush administration gone. And then, of course, to invite a new president, um, well, who has been elected, of course, ele- President-elect Obama, 
who is just, um, I feel, is a brilliant man, who has done a number of things to cross the aisle, be it to um, reach his hand out to the Republican Party or to reach out to LGBT people, um, and really to understand um, what he doesn't know about LGBT people. So he's he's been extraordinary um, with trying to learn what's, what our needs are and really what the needs of the American people are, which is something that we haven't seen in a very long time. Um, I'm excited because he is a man of diversity, and he came from a background where um, where bigotry and, and hatred was, was rampant in his own community. So I, I think that he'll understand us a little bit better because of it. What do you think of the expectations of other groups? Well, and I think that there are many, but I, I you know, and, and there are many expectations as well as in LGBT um, um, community, but I think that we have to understand that, first of all, there's many other things that need to be done here in the United States, our economy um, is horrible, as you know, globally. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really gone down. And I really think that, you know, it would be of little use if we had an employment non-discrimination law um, in place, if that was his first priority, yet we had no jobs to go to, it would be a little ridiculous. So um, I think that the expectations of everybody is, is that he really help with the economy first and foremost help get it back on its feet, and while also dealing with our social issues. So I think that there's a lot of pressure on him right now. He hasn't even been seated yet, and he's already come under fire by other, uh, by some organizations for who he chose to uh, uh, to give prayer over his inauguration. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a little ridiculous. I mean, he's not even seated yet. You know, we've got to give him a chance. <laughs> the honeymoon's not even begun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, I was going to ask you, what what practical barriers then does the new president face in in delivering real change? I mean, I, I know that George Bush has uh, has done something in the last few days of his his presidency, which is probably going to make things a lot more difficult. But there are things like the placement he's left behind. What do you think are going to be the barriers that he needs to dismantle in order to be able to begin to start delivering the sort of changes that people expect from him? Well, one of the things that he has done, um, well, that he has to do, really, and I hope that he does this, um, one of the barriers has been um, with the FMLA days, which is family medical leave um, um, days, and and um, there's been an issue with that. Um, I, you know, I just brought that up, and I'm not even familiar with the details about it. I didn't, I forgot to read the whole uh, the whole thing. I was so frazzled when I first came on the air this morning. <laughs> I kind of jumped out of bed and went, ran for coffee and then turned my computer on. I like but to catch was, my guests unprepared. I know. Don't you love that? I'm sorry. <laughs> you can cut that part of this out. <laughs> <laughs> edit that right out of there. <clears throat> Excuse me. There, there was, there's one, um, one thing that he, just, that he did do, that, um, um, which is allow... Um, he passed a, a, some sort of a bill that allowed... Um, As I understand that, that, it, he's, he's allowed medical practitioners to, yes, to say, yes. I don't want to treat you on the basis that it would offend my sensibilities. Right, offend morals, or and, and also mm. um, um, pharmacists and, and um, all healthcare providers, which... You know, if you are a doctor, I was assuming that the Hippocratic Oath would, would be the first 
you know, your, your first sense, um, and not, you know, to do no harm. And, um, and of course I, th I believe that he didn't aim that on tr at transgender people, but it will affect us. I believe that he aimed it at, um, specifically abortion rights, um, so that people will not be able to, to women won't be able to get proper health care for, um, seeking abortion or even con people that are seeking contraceptives. Um, it'll make it more difficult for healthcare providers. Um, well, it'll make it easier for healthcare providers that uh, decide that they don't want to do sex education, say, or, or they don't want to sell condoms to a, a younger person. It's it's that's it's really ridiculous. Um, um, I don't know how much of an effect that will actually have uh, because I know that in some states that was already that was already the case and. I personally haven't seen or read of any obstacles um, that haven't already been put there. Um, there have been people that have been denied treatment based on being transgender, but it had nothing to do with any sort of law that was in place. Mm. As, so, as far as the access to, to abortion is concerned, I mean, this is something that I think we perhaps tend to forget in the UK. We, we've, we've had uh, abortion being legal for, I actually forget how long it is, but I think it goes back to the, the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, and although there are people who uh, have reservations about that, and particularly about the, the, the number of weeks at which termination can be allowed, and that keeps coming back onto the agenda every few years, we don't actually really see that the, the, the right to, to abortion per se being being uh, threatened. But I think that's still a very live issue in the United States, isn't it? Well, it is. And it's, and it's the, the religious right, um, fundamentalist Christians who, um, who call themselves the right to, the right to life. Um, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those issues where um, I, I firmly believe that, that a woman should have the right to choose. I also firmly believe that men shouldn't be making that choice for women, period. <laughs> that is, you know, that it's not a man's, that it shouldn't be a man's choice um, to, to tell a woman what to do with her body or anybody else for that matter. And this is something that really affects transgender people. And I think that a lot of transgender people don't understand this. But if Roe v. Wade gets repealed um, and if, if enough conservative judges are appointed, this will happen. Um, and once you take away the right to it's your body, your choice, I firmly believe that they'll go after sex reassignment surgery very quickly, um, specifically since we don't have, um, th that, it's not, that it's not really written in stone that it's a, that it's a medically necessary procedure. So until we get that written in stone, it's, we're always at risk of losing um, that right. Okay, if we, if we move on then, I mean, going back to the election, I don't think it, it was all joy. But, uh, in the United Kingdom, we've had nationwide civil partnership legislation now since 2004 to 5. Mm -hmm. um, but there was some very bad news for lesbians and gays in, in California. I, I don't completely understand about this idea of sort of tacking on additional propositions to uh, the, the electoral process. Can you explain that first? Well, it's different in each state. So, but in California, what they did was they, uh, Proposition 8, um, was, uh, it, it, 
what should never happen, first of all, is it's really against our Constitution to bring something like that up to a vote because you're asking the majority to make a, a ruling or a law that affects the minority. And that has always been unconstitutional. So, first of all, I, I believe that Proposition 8, which was, a vote went, which was a vote that went to the people, that asked the population whether or not they believe same-sex marriage should be legal in the state of California. And that, in and of itself, should be, um, that is unconstitutional. And they're looking at that right now. And that may be repealed. And, and just to put that into context, and the effect of that is because uh, in California, people have been able to, to have same-sex marriages for, quite, well, not very long, but, but certainly uh, within the last year. Right. It was a few months um, that they, they were, it went into law, and then it got put on a ballot. Um, and what happened was you need enough signatures from the people of the, of the state to say, yes, this needs to be a ballot question. And then um, when so many signatures are collected, um, it, it, they're, they're, um, they're introduced, and then they, you know, they decide in the state, well, yes, then this needs to be done because this is what the people want. But this is, one, this is a civil rights issue, and it should never have been brought to a vote. Um, but, but people are now pushing, as having, having won that proposition, uh, to also effectively undo the, the marriages that have already been made. Right, which is which is because while they were right, because while it was legal to marry in California, um, uh, people are now recognized. Their marriages are still recognized because it was legal at the time for them to be married. So, you know, their marriages when when the law when Proposition Eight was passed and 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 uh, making same-sex marriage illegal in the state. Um, it's still the people that were married while it was legal, their, their marriages are still legal, and now they're trying to, you know, there's a fight going on to make those null and void as well. But I don't believe that, uh, well, I don't know for a fact, but I don't believe that that's going to happen. In fact, I really, I firmly believe that Proposition 8 will be overturned, that it's not something that will stand. Um, I think a lot of people actually voted the wrong way um, because it was vote no on Proposition mm. 8. And there were some people that went to the polls assuming that they were supposed to be voting for Proposition 8, the people that were for same-sex marriage. So there was a lot of issues as how the how it was written on the ballot, um, the education that was done. There, there's just, there was just so many issues. And, 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 of course, the main issue, which was that it shouldn't have been put on the ballot to begin with, that it's up to the courts to decide. Okay, if we, I mean, you've mentioned trans people already. But my impression in the, is that in the U.S., trans people seem to have had some very mixed fortunes over the last eighteen months. There have been some some great advances in terms of, of media treatment, and yet the the death rate is still very high for murder. And there's been the issues that have come up over. You mentioned it before, the Employment Non Discrimination Act. Would you would you like to explain first what what the what the background is to the Employment Non Discrimination Act and, and and really what happened? Well, now that's a that's a nice little issue right there. <laughs> the Employment Non Discrimination Act, for the very first time, was um, was was fully inclusive, which means it was um, inclusive of sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, and it was set to be introduced to Congress in 2007, fully inclusive. And um, Representative Barney Frank uh, said that there were not enough votes 
to pass a fully inclusive bill. And can, I, can I just interrupt? Barney Frank, he's a, d- a Democrat and he's a, an out gay man in, in the, is it the Congress or the, the House of Representatives? I always get mixed up. Right, right. Yeah, the House of Representatives. He's, he's, mm. a, he's, a, he's a congressman. Mm. Um, and yeah, and he's an out gay man. And, and that was what really, I think, hurt um, the most because, you know, because he's part of our community. So it sort of seemed a little... Um, um, it seemed very hurtful that somebody from our community, our own community, would uh, um, would fight so hard to have us removed from a piece of legislation. Specifically, when even if the the bill that didn't include us wasn't to pass, it wouldn't really matter at the time because um, we had a seated president that was not going to sign the bill into law. Um, so it didn't matter which bill, which you know, who was in it and who passed it, and none of that mattered. What mattered was that we stood together, um, and it would have been wonderful to see. That we didn't even have the chance for it to go to vote, including gender identity. Um, so while he was saying that we didn't have the votes, when when a bill goes into you know goes to the floor for a vote, you never know what's going to end mm-hmm. up happening, and so you get. You know, the, the bill went to the floor. It was removed um, from the bill, and it passed with sexual orientation only, and never went into the Senate. Now, now, um, perhaps the story behind that is not so much as then as what actually happened in in the House of Representatives, but what then has sort of rebounded out into the LGBT community as a sort of open warfare um, with the human rights campaign receiving a lot of the, a lot of the blame. Can you just fill in what the background of the human rights campaign is and what what happened there? Sure. Well, the human rights campaign claims to be the largest LGBT organization in the United States, and they certainly are a multi-million dollar organization, and I refer to them as a corporation, but that's, <laughs> that's just me. But they, um, they actually continued – well, let me back up a minute. Um, there was a conference – and, and, and uh, as there is this conferences all over the country, all over the United States, mm. um, beginning in January and running straight through to to um, to October, November. But there was one conference, the Southern Comfort Conference, which is the largest conference in the country. There were a thousand transgender people there um, that were registered. So there was more conference attendees that didn't register for the workshops that actually heard Joe Salmanis, who is the executive director of the Human Rights Campaign. He stood up and he said that um, not only would the Human Rights Campaign support legislation that included gender identity and that was fully inclusive, but that he would in fact oppose legislation that did not, that was not fully inclusive and that he took that message loud and clear to the Hill. And then two weeks later, we were removed from the bill, and they supported that action. Um, but that formed a chain reaction of organizations all over the country banding together and um, forming what is now called United Enda. And everybody stood against the human rights campaign. They ended up the human rights campaign stood alone um, in, in supporting the legislation that was not fully inclusive. 
And um, I think that at that point, what happened was the rest of America woke up to, to see. And this was just something that was really a, a bizarre thing. Um, people in Congress, including um, Congressman Frank and, and the Human Rights Campaign, people in the Washington, D.C. area, sort of live in a little bubble where they didn't know what the rest of the community was thinking or doing or feeling. And I believe that they saw this happening um, and they didn't know. They didn't know that a whole generation had had grown up. Um, all those young people that were in college um, back when we were doing the education work in colleges for LGBT people and what transgender means and all the trans 101, they grew up and they they these people weren't around before the T wasn't included in LGBT. So they only knew an LGBT community and they are very much a part and, and didn't and, and interconnected, and they didn't know that it would be that simple to lob off one of those letters for the sake of expediency, and they were horrified at that prospect. They were horrified, and they rebelled, and it was and everybody stood together and said, "No, this is not acceptable. We are one community. We need one bill, and and we cannot sacrifice any of our brothers and sisters for 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 something so." Um, incredibly wrong and bigoted is to remove them. So, Employment so what, issues. So what are the prospects now for, for 2009? Can this be repaired? Or is um, it, it going to be a schism forever? Do you think that this is the end of HRC? Well, you know, I, I don't think it will be the end of HRC. I, I, they're still getting... Um, a lot of support from the people that just don't want us included anywhere. They have million-dollar donors. They have um, – it's, it's just a huge organization, um, and they fundraise at every opportunity. And they're, but, they're pr pr primarily funded from a very closeted gay men who, who, who are of a certain age. Yes, yes, and it's mostly my age group, so you know, which is wonderful. But um, um, it's and, and they are they they just and, and the people on the board of directors need to vote to support only fully inclusive legislation and, and to oppose legislation that's not, and they won't do that. They are, they have not changed their policy, um, and they might, and you'll see this happen. And mark my words, this will happen. The closer we get to passing a fully inclusive agenda. The, the more on board they will be because they want to take the credit for doing so. So that will happen. Um, and that's, that's, that's shameful. I, I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm really, uh, that's very shameful, and I can't imagine anybody wanting to be a part of that. But that being said, I, th I can see us moving forward. Um, I, I think that we are getting closer to having full support. What we did was, um, while we were campaigning in our states to get new Congress people and senators elected, we, we made sure or, 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 or lobbied as well for their support for inclusion. So we became very visible and working for um, campaigns um, to, to elect new Congress people, and we were very visible in doing that as well as visible in, su in supporting um, uh, uh, President-elect Obama, and we there were delegates that went um, that were Obama supporters, Obama delegates that were transgender. Um, he was on a conference call with a, with a friend of mine who was an Obama supporter and delegate from Indiana, and he actually mentioned her name and thanked her personally for the work she did in Indiana. As a transgender woman, she was thrilled that this that that the president-elect actually mentioned at talked to her on the phone.
you know, and thanked her. And that's, I mean, you know, the, he's saying the word transgender. This just, but one of the things that he's moving forward with right away is there's an executive order in the works right now that um, to protect um, um, government employees from discrimination, and that includes sexual orientation and gender identity, and, and President-elect Obama pledged to sign that into law immediately. Oh, so that's uh, a fantastic development. Um, if, I, if I can just move you on now, because one of the sure. other things you mentioned in your introduction was the, the Transgender Day of Remembrance and your, and your work there. What, mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the statistics, and they are absolutely horrifying. I mean, what is the level of of murder of of trans people in the United States? Well, um, we get more than a dozen people that are murdered in the United States a year. Uh, Globally, we've counted 31 murders last year, and this is all – this is – this is horrifying um, in and of itself, but what's even worse is that these are all the murders that we know about. We know that most of them go unreported and, or, or underreported or even misidentified. Um, uh, it, so that, that's a horror. Uh, but also that there are um, more than half of the, of the people murdered in the United States are ages 15 to 25. Um, but it's it's a hate crime law um, is, go, is is being written right now that includes gender identity. That's already passed the House and the Senate um, last year, so we have a new law that's coming up. And um, um, I believe that Congressman Frank said that this is going to be their first order of business for the LGBT community is to get a hate crime law, a federal um, hate crime law passed. Which um, I, I know in and of itself won't stop the murders. In fact, I, I don't think that it's going to help that um, the law itself. But what it will do is help the the FBI. Right now, does not have a separate category for for trans- transgender people, and this will um, um, ensure that we are counted in the FBI reports. And it will also ensure that money goes to states that will be allotted to, um, um, to fund the, um, the murder investigations of transgender people, which we don't have now. And it's expensive to investigate murders, and we're the last ones being investigated because of that. Uh, so all of these things are, are in the works. And not only that, but it's symbolic because whenever we're removed or we're not included in a hate crimes legislation, um, it, it really paints a bigger target on us because it's saying that our lives aren't as important as everybody else's and that we don't matter. And now to be included really makes a statement that, yes, we do matter. Yes, we are being counted and, and our lives are just as important. Okay, a lot of things you're saying there, I think, are indications of possible reason to, to be confident. So coming back, what, what's your state of confidence for the, for the year ahead and, and for, the, for the next four years? Well, um, you know, nobody knows, of course, where this is going. There's a lot of this real high expectation. And one of the things that I really fear, honestly, is being removed from an Employment Non-Discrimination Act because of uh, not enough support, um, perhaps now in the Senate. And because um, and, employment rights uh, 
for us are extremely important. Um, and of course, if we don't get our economy straightened out, that that's not going to help anyway. Um, and the other thing is that the 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 level of of expectation I really fear may be too high. He's the only one man, and he's going to be doing the best that he can. But I fear that when when expectations aren't reached, that um, um, the backlash it, it could be horrible, and we're a very unforgiving society, which is a shame. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem of starting out with very high expectations on on a roll of euphoria, and 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 then it not being met. So right. I mean, but if you were to sort of think ahead for the next four years, in four years' time, what would you most like to see have happened? Well, I'd like to see, you know, hate crimes legislation passed. I'd like to see us have more support in the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. And I'd like to see um, at least us being included and passed through at least one of the houses would be wonderful. I'd like to see our economy get better, more jobs being created, um, and, um, and, and basically work on overall social justice issues that will help uh, if we can't work together as a people then, you know, what, what's all this about? You know, why are we doing this at all? So, um, and I'd like to see, you know, more, uh, less racism. You know, I hope that having um, a black man as president will help build those bridges that we, that, that we just seem to be stuck crossing as a society. Okay, Ethan, well, we're coming to the end of the show now, but if I can give you a chance to give yourself a plug for your, for your, your radio station, your podcast, it's... Uh, Go on, you do it. Oh, it's transfm.org. Um, and we're live every Sunday night from 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to right through midnight. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our first transatlantic hookup for Just Plain Sense. I hope you've enjoyed it. For now, it's goodbye. Goodbye, Ethan. And thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense Limited production. <laughs>